Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome right. to New York. Oh. This is is the Devil's Devil's State of Mind Mind Podcast, podcast. brought to you by the Hockey Hockey Podcast Podcast Network. Network. Now here's your host, host, Neil Villapiano! How the hell do we keep getting this lucky in the draft lottery? What is going on, Devils fans? It is, once again, your boy, Neil Villapiano, and welcome to another edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast right here on the Hockey Podcast Network, the best place to get everything you need to know about your new Jersey Devils. I hope you guys, as always, are having a fantastic day wherever you're listening to this podcast episode. Thank you guys, as always, for taking time out of your day to check these episodes out. I greatly, greatly appreciate this episode and everything we do here at the Hockey Podcast Network are sponsored by our awesome friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook with the NBA playoffs fully underway into round two. And we're already having some exciting matchups and games in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. DraftKings is giving you unbelievable opportunities to get huge cash prizes. So if you want to get in on all of the action, here's what you do. Go to DraftKings, use our promo code THPN, and tell them Neil Villapiano sent you. Guys, I really cannot believe what happened on Tuesday evening uh, during the draft lottery. I can't explain it other than the Devils may have the greatest luck of any team in draft lottery history, considering the type of luck we've had over the last five, six years. Now, that doesn't, that's not necessarily a great thing because you want to get to the point where you're no longer worrying about the draft lottery and worrying a lot more about who you're playing in the playoffs. But obviously this was something that the devils were heavily involved in and ended up making some decent headlines because of it. So 
We're going to obviously recap the draft lottery. Uh, I'm going to give you the full list of teams in, in the order as of right now, because obviously the Stanley Cup playoffs is still going on. So we don't know exactly what the um, the uh, order is going to be full with all 32 teams, but we'll know um, by, you know, by obviously when the draft starts. Uh, the next thing we're going to talk about after that is a surprising fire by one of our Metropolitan Division rivals and why this individual who was let go might be the perfect person to lead the New Jersey Devils into future glory. And then we're going to re we are going to uh end this episode by giving out my Devils Team Awards. So this is an action-packed episode. As always, we have a bunch to get to here on the Devil's State of Mind podcast. So let's not waste any more time and get rolling. So let's start with something that I actually think is really hilarious. And that is the devil's luck when it comes to the draft lottery. So this happened, yes, um, well, not yesterday. Uh, you guys are listening to this on Thursday. This happened on Tuesday evening, uh, May 10th, 2022. It was the 2022 NHL Draft Lottery. Now, going to say it right off the bat, was not really looking forward to it. Not because of anything like, you know, I wasn't curious to know where the Devils were going to end up in the lottery. It's just that because of how frequent the Devils have been in this and how used to we've all gotten to the Devils being in the lottery that I'm just kind of fed up. I'm tired of being in the lottery. I want this team to be in the playoffs. I want to worry about the team playing in the playoffs and eventually making a run to winning a Stanley Cup. I think that's what we all want at the end of the day. But nothing we could do about it this time around the Devils. Uh, come went into excuse me the draft lottery with the fifth best odds at eight and a half percent to win the 2022 NHL draft lottery. The top three teams going into it were the uh, Coyotes, the Canadians, and the um, Seattle Kraken. I was just drawing a blank there. The Philadelphia Flyers actually um, were in fourth, had the fourth best odds going into it. Uh, my initial uh, feeling was that the Devils were going to end up between uh, the pick seven, six, or five. That's where I really thought that we were going to end up. I didn't think that we were going to move at all or move up at all. I didn't think anything like that. I wasn't trying to be negative. I was just being more realistic um, because although the Devils have had huge amounts of luck when it comes to moving up in the draft and eventually getting the number one overall pick and things like that, you look at last year, we didn't move at all. We were expected to get the fourth overall pick and that's what we got and because the lottery system is different now with the top two teams getting much higher chances to get number one or number two that again it, it just felt like that this was going to be another year where not much movement or no movement at all was going to happen um and you look at it and we'll, we'll just start from 16 and work our way uh up um the first uh selection or 16th overall was uh the Vegas Golden Knights, but uh, because of the Jack Eichel trade, they actually gave their pick this year to Buffalo. So the Sabres will have the 16th overall pick as well as their own. So that's two first-round picks in the first 16 picks, which is very good. Uh, 15 was Vancouver. The Winnipeg Jets uh, followed after that at 14. The New York Islanders at 13. Blue Jackets, the first of two first-round picks that they have, and we'll Talk about them in a second. Uh, Blue Jackets got to 12. Sharks at 11. So the San Jose Sharks actually have 
their first round pick this year. Anaheim Ducks at 10. Buffalo with its second first round pick. Theirs, actually, this was their pick. They were number nine. Red Wings at number eight. Senators at number seven. Blue Jackets again at six via the Blackhawks because of the Seth Jones trade. So the Black, so the Blue Jackets have two top picks, which is very good considering that they have drafted pretty damn well over the last uh, two seasons. I really like what they've done. And then we got to pick number five. So at this point, nothing, nothing different had happened. It was going exactly the way that we all predicted. The question now was, where were the Devils going to be? Now, the Devils also came into the draft lottery knowing that at that point, if it got to five and nothing had happened, that they would either stay at five or end up getting one of the top two picks. That was pretty much the odds that they were given. They weren't going to move up to just four or three. It was either going to be the fifth overall pick or picks one or two. That was basically what it was. So we got to pick five and uh, the deputy commissioner uh, daily flipped over the card and it was the Philadelphia Flyers. So that mean that meant that the devils moved from a top five pick to now a top three, or even more specifically a top two. So there was that uh, number four ended up being the Seattle Kraken. And then you got to number three and it ended up being the Arizona coyotes. So at this point, number one, I think it's actually hilarious that the, the Flyers ended up having to uh, move back a, uh, a spot and the Devils actually ended up overtaking them. So that's another win for us in our Metropolitan Division rivalry with them. But you got to the top two picks and it was either going to be Montreal or the New Jersey Devils. And I was sitting there thinking to myself, there is no way in hell we are going to end up with the first overall pick again. There's no way in hell it's going to happen. And so the uh, commissioner... Daly, uh, Deputy Commissioner Daly, he decided he was going to flip over the number one overall, the number one overall pick, and then he was going to announce the two instead of going two to one. So we got to the number one overall pick. For some stupid reason, my heart was pounding for absolutely, for just, like I said, stupid reason. They flipped it over, and the Montreal Canadiens won the 2022 NHL Draft Lottery, which meant that the Devils had officially moved from pick number five to pick number Two. So the Devils will be picking second overall in the 2022 NHL draft. So what does that mean exactly? Well, it means a couple of things. Number one, let's let's talk about the main thing that we talked about in the last episode, and that's about Tom Fitzgerald and what he said in his end of the season press conference. That Tom Fitzgerald made it public that he was willing to move on from the team's first round pick if the right deal came across, if they felt that whatever player or players they were getting were going to be major impact players. And it had to be a blowaway deal. It's It can't be that we're getting a guy that maybe could potentially be a, uh, a star player on this team. It's a guy that we know for a fact is going to come in and really, really do well. Um, and obviously there's, you know, I, I think of guys like Kevin Fiala, who was rumored last week to go to the Devils, um, maybe not considering only because this was the first major year that he's had in his career. And is he really worth the second overall pick? I don't know. Matthew Kachuk, potentially, if the Calgary Flames do decide to move on from Kachuk, I think that's a possibility. I, I don't really know any others that um, rumored to be traded per se. So we'll just kind of leave it at that. Um, so. Obviously, with the Devils moving from five to two, it makes things more interesting because it now means that the Devils will probably end up using that pick 
uh, to select the player um, because I just don't think any team out there is going to blow away the Devils um, with a deal. I think that if we had had five, six, or seven, I think it would have been I think more teams would have been willing to give up a big time player that they had to move, whoever that might be, and still end up getting a top 10 pick or even a top five pick. But I think now a lot of teams that maybe had interest probably won't have interest um, after this, which is not a bad thing from the devil's perspective because of the fact that regardless of who they end up taking and look, as the offseason progresses, we'll talk in much greater detail about the potential prospects that the Devils could take with the second overall pick, and we'll, we'll, we'll discuss all of that at a, at a later time. Um, but you look at the Devils and you say, okay, they're going to end up getting a very talented player that will just add on to what is already a very strong uh, farm system, which is also considered one of the best farm systems in the National Hockey League. And yeah, you could also say that that player could eventually be used in a different trade down the road. There's so many different possibilities. Um, but I think at the end of the day, the Devils moving up is a win-win situation because if the Devils do trade the pick, it means that they're going to get a massive impact player or players, depending on who's available and what teams are willing to move on from. On the other hand, it's a win. It's a win situation because of the fact that the Devils are going to end up selecting a very, very talented player. Not saying they weren't going to do that if they had the fifth, sixth, or seventh overall pick, but now they're really getting into the top three most talented players. Um, very much likely that the Canadians will take um, what's his name? I literally just had it's Shane Wright with the first overall pick. Um, then there's probably some questions about where the Devils might go with pick number two. Um, but again, we'll talk about that at a later date. But the bottom line is simply this. The Devils, once again, with some impressive luck in the draft lottery, literally the only team to move. Now you could say, well, the Flyers moved down. No, there was literally one team that moved, and that was the Devils. And you know what I also think is funny is that the owners of these teams, they actually end up knowing well beforehand that uh, the, the draft lottery went the way that it went um, and they're not supposed to tell the GM. So they do the lottery, I think like an hour or so before they actually broadcast it. So the owners already know, but the GMs have no clue. So it's about sitting around and waiting and going from there. Now we've seen over the last 24 hours, videos come out um, showing Gary Bedman doing the lottery and things like that. Um, but it is damn funny how the Devils once again with some luck of the balls moving around in the uh, lottery machine that they ended up with the second overall pick uh, in this year's NHL draft. So we'll see what the Devils decide to do with this pick, draft a player, trade it, move down in the draft maybe if they get a, a good offer as well. We'll see. Only time will tell. But the New Jersey Devils will officially select number two overall in the 2022 NHL entry draft. So the second topic I wanted to discuss with you guys is something that myself and nobody else in the hockey world uh, was prepared to talk about. And that is the bombshell news that we got on Monday morning when the New York Islanders via their social media announced that they had fired, fired head coach Barry Trotz. It was a stunner an absolute stunner because of a couple of reasons. Number one is simply this. Um, 
you look at what he's done, Barry Trotz, since he got to the island. His uh, the last two years prior to this year, he got them to the conference finals. And yeah, it's it's unfortunate they weren't weren't able to get over the hump. And yes, at times their offense was non-existent. But for him to get the Islanders that close, when the Islanders have not gotten that close since the early 90s, is absolutely phenomenal. And you look at the track record that Barry Trotz has in his career. He, from 1997 to 2014, was the biggest reason, other than Pecorine, that got the Nashville Predators on the map. He did a phenomenal job. He got him to the playoffs several times, seven in, in total, if I remember correctly. And he really, really helped the Predators become the franchise that they're beloved today. And then he goes to the Washington Capitals. And in his last year, which ultimately ended up being his last year, he did something that nobody else could ever do in the history of the Washington Capitals. And that is win a Stanley Cup. He finally was able to help Ovechkin. He helped guys like Evgeny Kuznetsov and also Nicholas Backstrom and John Carlson really, really elevate their game. And he even got Tom Wilson to become a 20-plus goal scorer per year. That is very impressive from an offensive standpoint and also from a defensive standpoint. I mean, he ended up helping uh, John Carlson make a lot of money in his next contract. Uh, same can be said for some other players as well. But when he got to the Islanders and did what he did, it was very, very impressive. And Barry Trotz is considered to be not only one of the best coaches in the NHL, but one of the most respected. And Lula Morello, our former general manager, and now the general manager and president of the New York Islanders, he said when he spoke to the media after relieving Barry Trotz that Barry Trotz is a great human being and a great, great coach. And uh, whoever gets him is going to uh, be very, very lucky. And uh, it's kind of like, well, well why, did, why did the Islanders move on from Barry Trotz? Well, there is no definitive reason to this, except Lula Morello said that he felt that the team, the players in the locker room needed a new voice which is kind of ironic, consider, well, not ironic, it's kind of frustrating because I look at it from the devil's perspective and I've said verbatim that the devils need a new voice in the locker room. And while they have, while they will make coaching changes, uh, Lindy Rupp is still at this time, the head coach of the New Jersey devils. Um, but that was the main reason that Lou Lamorello gave the Islanders finished this year, 37, 35 and 10 with 84 points, 16 points behind the Washington Capitals for the second wildcard spot. The Islanders got off to a horrible start this year because of lack of consistency, COVID, a bunch of different things. It was a very difficult year overall for the New York Islanders, a team that including myself expected to make a long, potentially Stanley cup run this year, but they ended up, not doing that. And you look at the Islanders as a team and you wonder to yourself, are they getting to the point where they're starting to consider a rebuild? Because they don't really have a lot of young prospects coming up the wings. And they're one of the oldest teams in the NHL. And they do have some question marks. And their offense is just still not been consistent, despite having guys like Matt Barzell, Anders Lee, uh, Oliver Wallstrom, is, you know, just to name a couple of uh, a couple of guys. Another big rumor that I heard over the last 24 hours about why Barry Trotz might have been fired was his relationship with um, with Matt Barzell. Lee was Josh Nichols, uh, who actually um, hosts one of the podcasts here on the Hockey Podcast Network, uh, the Nassau, uh, Nassau Men Podcast, which is one of the Islanders podcasts we have here on the Hockey Podcast Network. 
go subscribe to those guys. He actually um, said on social media that from the sources that he was getting uh, earlier this year, that there was definitely um, some discontent between Matt Barzell and Barry Trotz. And it got to a point where it was like, you either are going to keep Barry Trotz or you keep Matt Barzell. And so I guess the Islanders decided based off of that rumor, again, it's just a rumor, but based off that rumor that the Islanders decide to stick with Matt Barzell and move on from Barry Trotz. Um, when you look at Barry Trotz again, I will just reiterate this. In four seasons as the Islanders team head coach, uh, Trotz was 152, 102, and 34 at 28 and 21 of the playoffs. The Islanders had reached the third round of the playoffs in two straight seasons, losing to the eventual Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning both times so again in a very short span almost similar to his time in uh washington uh he was able to do a lot of really really good things including i believe he did win a jack adams award for coach of the year uh two or three seasons ago if i remember correctly but the big thing is simply this barry trotz is now available as a head coach um the biggest thing biggest problem for the devils is that they still have a head coach right now. They are not, at least from what we've been told, are not looking for a new head coach. Lindy Ruff is still here. He is in the final year of his three-year contract that he signed when he was hired two years ago. Um, and at this moment, I would tell Devils fans to not get their hopes up. Based off of what Fitzgerald said in his press conference and things like that, he looks to pretty much go with Lindy Ruff going into the 2022-23 season. And that's just something we're going to have to deal with. Now, it doesn't mean necessarily that that ends up being the case. And the reason I say that is because of this. NRD Rumors on Twitter, really good guy. And honestly, his sources are very good. He actually was uh, filling, you know, fielding a couple of questions from fans about different rumors. And they brought up, somebody brought up, um, they brought up Barry Trotz. And somebody asked them, just off the top of your head, what would be the two most likely places that Barry Trotz would end up? And NRD said very quickly, Winnipeg or New Jersey. Now, the reason Winnipeg was brought up is, number one, they obviously do need a new head coach with Paul Maurice uh, resigning earlier this year. Um, number two, Winnipeg, um, Winnipeg is the hometown of Barry Trotz. Barry Trotz is from there. so. For him, being 59 years of age, not sure how, how much longer Barry Trotz wants to keep coaching, it could be a good place for him to go. Um, I don't necessarily consider Barry Trotz to be a rebuilding type of coach. Uh, I don't know if the Winnipeg Jets are looking to potentially rebuild, but it just doesn't seem like that that is a great place to go, but they still have a lot of talent. I mean, they still have Mark Scheifele. They still have Blake Wheeler. Um Connor Hellebuck in net, uh, Pierre Ed, um, Pierre Luc Dubois as well. A couple of guys, just to name just to name a few. Um, so it is possible that Barry Trotz could go there and maybe be the voice that gets the Winnipeg Jets back into the playoffs. And when he also mentioned New Jersey, I mean, it makes a lot of sense because first of all, Barry Trotz knows this division. He's played against, uh, he's coached against us many a times. And he's coached not only the Islanders, but also the Capitals, both teams in our division. So he knows those teams very, very well. Number two, it's not a long distance between coming from the island and coming over to New Jersey. So there's another reason there. Uh, Tom Fitzgerald and Barry Trotz do have a relationship from when I believe Fitzgerald played 
for Barry Trotz. So there is uh, something with that. The other thing that I wanted to mention, and again, this is a rumor. This is not definitive or anything like that. This is a straight up rumor. There have been rumblings going around the last week or so, or two weeks really, that the Devils could potentially not really fire Lindy Ruff, but quote unquote, promote him to a different role within the organization, relieving him as the head coach. And then the Devils obviously hiring a different head coach. Now, Jack Hughes said straight up that he loves playing for Lindy Ruff and wants to keep playing for Lindy Ruff. Now, that might not be the greatest thing to say, considering how Lindy Ruff, from a team perspective, has done in his two years so far as that coach of this team. Um, and obviously, Jack Hughes may not know any better because his first his, he's had John Hines, Elaine Nazardine, and Lindy Ruff as his head coaches since he got into the league. So it's a little bit tough. Nico Keisher said that he wasn't going to talk about it, but he might have just been like, because he just didn't know what the situation was going to be and things like that. But if you're, one of your star players is telling you that he wants to keep Lindy Ruff, then that makes me feel that Lindy Ruff is going to stay. But the Devils could also go down the route that I just said based off that rumor that they keep Lindy Ruff around, but they bring in a new head coach. I think, honestly, though, if they do that, I think that Kevin Deneen ends up being the most likely guy considering what he's doing with Utica. They're already up one game to none in their playoffs uh, series against Rochester in the AHL playoffs, and they could very well make a championship run if things go right. But he's obviously there, and he's easily available because he's already in our, in our, um, in our organization. But if Barry Trotz is interested in coming to New Jersey, if I'm Tom Fitzgerald, I think you have to make this call because Barry Trotz has something that Lindy Ruff doesn't have, and that is championship experience. Yes, Lindy Ruff took the Buffalo Sabres in 1999 to the Stanley Cup Finals, but they didn't win. Barry Trotz, on the other hand, took the Washington Capitals and won them their still only championship in franchise history with star players. Yes, they were veterans. Yes, people are critical of, of Barry Trotz and the way he handles young players. But this team, this organization, has gotten to the point where it now has to win. And Tom Fitzgerald, in my opinion, is on the hot seat because he needs to start winning. That's why he was hired. Because the organization believed that he was the guy that would finally help this team win. And Lindy Rupp was brought in to develop the team and eventually win. And while some of our core guys, well, our core guys in general have developed and gotten better, the team itself has finished towards the bottom of the NHL and we're drafting second overall this year. So when you have an opportunity like this, you gotta, you gotta do it, man. But I also wouldn't fire Lindy Ruff. If you speak, let's say you speak to um, Barry Trotz and maybe he says that he's not interested and there you go. So if he's not interested and you fire Lindy Ruff, that puts you in a really awkward situation, but still it forces you nonetheless to get a different head coach and a different voice in there. But I will just say this to kind of recap, to kind of end this whole discussion I would not get my hopes up at all, Devils fans. I think that most likely we will keep Lindy Ruff and Barry Trotz will go somewhere else. That's the way that I look at it. Um, but again, things could change. This is still very, very fresh, and you don't know what can happen. So let's let's see where things goes, where things go. But Barry Trotz is now available as a head coaching candidate, and we'll see if the Devils uh, want to uh, want to take a shot.
on Barry Trotz. Hockey fans, the pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets, like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN to bet $5 on any NHL team to win and get $100 in free bets, no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So the last thing that I wanted to do tier today on this edition of the devil state of my podcast is give out my team awards and i saw the devil's um media people who are in the devil's organization do their team awards and i wasn't really really thrilled with some of the choices that people made but it is entitled to their opinion and i totally get it so what i decided to do is basically go off the same list of awards and give my opinion on that so Let's just jump right into it. First one is my team MVP. For me, it is Jesper Bratt. And it's because you look at what he did this year. 26 goals, tied for first on the team. 47 assists, that's first on the Devils. 73 points, also first on the Devils. Jesper Bratt was far and away the best, well, not far and away, but certainly the best player, in my opinion, the MVP of this team. And yes, Jack Hughes made major strides as a guy who's becoming a superstar, and he was showcased on the NHL world during the All-Star weekend and things like that, and many people consider him to be the face of this team and helping, helping them out in marketing. But when you look at the most valuable player, the guy that really, really was valuable, and when he wasn't in the lineup at times, you could see the team struggling was Jesper Bratt. Jesper Brett in a year where he's going to be restricted free agent at season Zen and is going to be looking for a pay raise really, really improved this game. And it, it was great to see. He has showcased that he is arguably one of the most underrated players in the national hockey league and a guy that is going to be a top six scoring winger for years to come. And the hope is obviously that Tom Fitzgerald and his team can get a deal done sooner rather than later with him. So that's one less major thing we got to worry about during this offseason. But for me, Jesper Bratt definitely was my team MVP. Now you go to Offensive Player of the Year. Now, again, I could have gone with Jesper Bratt because he was tied for first in goals, first in assists, and first in overall points. But I wanted to uh, be a little bit more, you know, giving to some other guys and things like that. And so I decided to give Jack Hughes Offensive Player of the Year. Now, he was tied for first in goals with Jesper Brad at 26. He was fourth on the team in assists with 30 and finished third in points with 56. Now, as we all know, he missed almost 20 games with a shoulder injury, and he also missed a bunch of games at the end of the season due to a lower body injury as well. So 
He missed a lot of games this year, and he still put up those numbers. And you wonder if he had played a full 82-game season, what his stats would have actually looked like. I mean, it's something that obviously you really, really do wonder. But I think when you look at the strides that Jack Hughes made, the pressure that he he got he got put on him, signing that long-term extension early in the season and things like that, he really, really showed so many flashes of the superstar that he is becoming. And you really saw it. And you saw what type of um, – what type of reaction the rest of the team gets when he's on the ice and he's flying and making absurd plays and putting on a highlight reel. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. And I think he was honestly our most valuable offensive player. I'm that because again, Jesper Pratt was our overall MVP, the guy that really, really got everything going. But when it came to the offense and what they, what this person could do being a point per game player, I had to give it to Jack Hughes. So give me Jack Hughes to be the offensive player of the year. Defensive player of the year. This was actually kind of a fun thing to figure out because you kind of looked at it and said, well, defense wasn't wasn't as bad as it was the year before. We did make some strides. For me, I gave it to Jonas Siegenthaler. He had one goal, which uh, which was honestly, I think it was like his first goal in the NHL or his first goal as a devil, which was big. 13 assists for 14 points. He also did miss a bunch of games at the end of the season due to injury as well. But I think when you looked at Jonas Siegenthaler throughout the season and during these games, he was such a calming presence on the back end. He would just make the simple plays, using his stick properly to whack the puck off somebody, be physical when he had to, be a solid penalty killer, which helped the Devils actually finish as a top 15 penalty kill team, which is an improvement from the last couple of years. And I think he was just also just a very strong, calming presence. And I think this being his first full year in New Jersey after being traded from Washington to the Devils, he really has fit in very well and has been a very, very valuable player to this team on the back end. So for all of those reasons, I gave Defensive Player of the Year to Jonas Siegenthaler. Now we come to a an award that I think was pretty obvious to give it to give it to this player, and that is giving Dawson Mercer Rookie of the Year. 17 goals, 25 assists for 42 points uh, this season. He finished top five in goals, top five assists for the team, and finished top 10 in points. At one point, we were talking about Dawson Mercer being a guy that could eventually win the Calder Trophy for Rookie of the Year. Now, he did go through a very long stretch where he really wasn't scoring, and he kind of fell off, and now he's not even a top three candidate, but he still had a really, really good rookie year with this team really it was just impressive because he went into training camp and made the team out of training camp and he ended up being the only player on the devils to play every single game he played all 82 games and now he's going to be playing in the world championships for canada so dawson mercer is developing very very well at a very quick rate rate which is great to see um from a devil's perspective so he really took the fan base by storm, and it was it was definitely impressive. And I'm looking forward to Dawson Mercer being a guy that could get to 20, 25, maybe even 30 goals down the road. And a guy who not only could play a center position, but also could be big on the wings as well, be a, you know, a, a Swiss Army knife type player, which is great. So easily rookie of the year for me is Dawson Mercer. Now, most improved, I actually ended up giving it to two players, and that is Captain Nico Heischer. And winger Jes- Jesper Boquist, excuse me. Nico, for the standpoint of, he had his best season this year statistically and just overall playing-wise since his rookie year. 
A lot of people, including myself at times, was critical of Nico over the last two or three years because he was slowly getting fewer goals, fewer points, and just not playing and not living up to the hype that he got when he was selected first overall back in 2017. And you look at the production of a guy like Miro Haskinen or Elias Pettersson or certainly uh, Kale McCarr, a lot of times we were questioning, did the Devils make the right decision? I still think the Devils, for the way that their team is constructed long-term, I think they did make the right decision to draft Nico. And this year, having his first full year as the captain of this team, he really, really did lead by example on the ice. He finished with 21 goals, 39 assists for 60 points. Really, really got better, certainly on the face-offs. A guy that some people even consider to be a finalist for the Selkie Trophy, and we're hearing that maybe it's possible he could finish as a top-three candidate. Who knows? But he definitely improved in all facets of his game. It seemed like from the way players were talking, he improved a lot as a leader in the locker room. And I'm sure he's going to take another major step moving forward. You do have to give credit to Lindy Ruff for uh, helping Nico elevate his game to another level, which is very, very good. Now, with Jesper Boquist, I've talked about him several times. It said when he got called up a couple of months ago, he really made it a point that he was not only going to get on this team, but he was going to stick around and find a definitive role long-term. And that's what he did. He finished with 10 goals, adding another guy to get the double digits and goals, 13 assists for 23 points, by far his best season of his career. And you look at one point when Bocus was considered our top prospect, he had a lot of pressure on him, a lot of expectations, really struggled to find consistency in the NHL. But going into this season, again, he's kind of going up and down. But eventually, in I believe it was January, he got called up and he never looked back. And he had some really, really impressive plays and just improved overall to the point where the Devils were giving him power play time because he was playing so well offensively. So that's a really, really positive thing to see for a guy that I don't think is going to end up being a top six player on this team, but certainly could bring some solid offensive capabilities to the bottom six, which is very, very important. So for all those reasons, I gave most improved award or awards to Nico Heischer and Jesper Boquist. Now we have two more awards to give out. Biggest surprise was Nico Dawes. Nico Dawes, two years ago, number one North American goaltender selected. A lot of, a lot of people said the Devils got a steal. And Nico Dawes came in. Obviously, we didn't expect him to play, but considering how awful our goaltending situation was this season, he had to play a lot. He ended up playing in 25 games, posting a 10-11-1 record, which is not great, a 3.11 goals against average, and a .893 save percentage. But he was the biggest surprise because, again, number one, he wasn't expected to play on the Devils this year, but played pretty well in certain games. I mean, his first game was a shutout win very in, in overtime, or I think it was just a win in overtime. He, he played, he showed flashes of a guy that long-term could be a big solution in net. And I'm sure he's going to work hard to try to see if he can make a definitive spot on this roster going into the 22-23 NHL season. So that's something to keep an eye on. So yeah, Nico Dawes for some of the for some of the really, really good play that he made in net was my biggest surprise. Now, most underrated. I get it. A lot of us want to say Jesper Bratt, but for us as Devils fans, he wasn't the most underrated on the team. He might be one of the most underrated players in the NHL. As a matter of fact, I think he certainly is. 
But I think the most underrated player on the team that I think we didn't talk about enough was Jimmy Vesey. Jimmy Vesey, as we all know, a very touted uh, college player out of Harvard, won the Hobie Baker in his uh, final year as the best player in college hockey. He was a free agent, and he had a choice between us, the Rangers, and I believe the Boston Bruins. He chose the Rangers, and early on in his career, it looked like he was going to really become a star. And then for what a, one reason or another, he just struggled to get himself going. He struggled in Buffalo, struggled in Toronto, and certainly struggled in Vancouver as well. Just having a lot of trouble finding a role that works best for him. So he came to the Devils in the offseason signing a professional tryout contract, just trying to make the team. And sure enough, he did exactly that. He ended up earning a contract out of training camp and making the team. And he scored a couple of really good goals, a shorthanded goal. He was honestly, he might arguably be our best penalty killer this year from a forward perspective. He really did a lot of the little things right. And he made a lot of good plays, setting up guys to eventually create opportunities going the other way. And again, just doing the little things right. So I really like the way Jimmy Vesey played. And I hope the Devils bring him back. I think that he can definitely be a contributor to this team on the bottom six and certainly on the penalty kill. And I think he was a guy that he earned everything that he got this year. And I think it was very impressive. And it is, again, ironic that he ended up here in New Jersey after spurring us several years ago. But I was very much happy to, to have him on the team and, the, and how he played this year. And I was uh, very impressed with what he did. So for all of those reasons, I am going to give most underrated player award to Jimmy Vesey. So let's quickly recap. MVP, Jesper Bratt. Offensive Player of the Year, Jack Hughes. Defensive Player of the Year, Jonas Siegenthaler. Rookie of the Year, Dawson Mercer. Most Improved, Nico Kiescher and Jesper Boquist. Biggest Surprise, Nico Dawes. And as I just mentioned, Most Underrated, Jimmy Vesey. And that, ladies and gentlemen, are my season awards for the New Jersey Devils. As always, guys, let me know what you think on Twitter at Devil State, Instagram at Devil State of Mind, and also on Facebook if you just happen to come across it as well. And let me know what you guys think should have been the player awards. And also let me know about what you think about uh, Barry Trotz, maybe if he becomes a candidate um, and maybe ends up in New Jersey. And also, obviously, your feelings on the Devils ending up getting the second overall pick in the 2022 NHL draft. So again, guys, the offseason is officially underway. Going to get a lot of rumors, a lot of different things like that. It's going to be exciting. And I hope you guys stick around for the ride here on the Devil's State of Mind podcast.